I say Glenn King. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he, he's he's a giant. Absolutely. Uh, and have an opportunity to uh, to room with him, uh, uh, coming down as, as a trainee, and, and just sort of seeing, well, seeing how Glenn approaches the scene, and how uh, meticulous uh, he is in his drawing, his um, his thumbnailing, uh, the thought process, and all the, the things that he had. Uh, absorbed from from Ali and um, and you know it's, it's just always thinking about um, um, putting personality into um, his characters and just passing passing on that wisdom now I said we we, uh, we room together and we had two small rooms you know at, at the end of a hallway you open the door and you go into Glenn's room and then you have to go to to another door and open the door and that was my room so so we were just literally uh, i had to pass him to get to my room and pass him to leave uh, but uh but seeing him uh yeah, his worth at work ethic you know, come from a great family his dad you know bill king uh doing the comic strip and, and then had been you know brought up around art and all that kind of, and but but again just to see him uh, uh flourish and how he approached the scene, um, which which I was able to glean from and try to emulate some of the things that he was doing. I remember what, uh, when he was doing the um, the scene of um, uh, the bear fight in in in, uh, in Fox and the Hound, and he's 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 in in, in, in preparation for all that. You know, he's reading all these books about. Uh, um, bear attacks, <laughs> and, and, and I'm, I'm, walk, I'm coming to work one morning. And he says, "This is hot, it's hot." You know, listen to this. He starts reading from this, this National Geographic or something about this this bear attacking this person, and you know, and, and all this graphic stuff is going. But 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 he brought all that to life when he did the uh, copper fighting the bear, you know, and, and bringing all that stuff. And so I said, "Wow, you know," and so. Leading from how uh, he would approach a scene and and really immerse himself in that and, and, and get all the um, information and all this and then search search thumbnails and then you know bring all that emotion into into the big screen uh, mm -hmm. and into his animation. Very passionate animation. Very passionate person. You know, loving person. You know, he, he's my brother. Love Glenn. Uh, you know, forever. But. Hey you guys, it's your host Julian. This week I sit down with legendary animator Mr. Ron Husband. During this chat we talk about the super early days of the Disney internship and how Ron got to that position. We also talk about Ron working with one of the nine old men, man, Mr. Frank Thomas. We also talk about him earning the title animator and we get some very personal stories towards the end of this uh, about Ron and Ron's family, man. It uh, really hit me in the feels and it got me a little teary-eyed. Uh, I think you guys will see that, and it'll probably affect you just a little bit as well. We'll sit back, relax, and enjoy this chat I had with the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Ron Husband. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What's My Head Podcast. I'm here with Julian. Today I'm joined by Disney legend, living legend, Mr. Ron Husband. Ron, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. Uh, appreciate the invitation to come on and be a part of your show. And, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not legend. There's a whole ceremony where they invite people to they 
to be a legend, right? So, so, so I don't want to infringe on uh, the people who are actually Disney legends, right? So I'll, 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 uh, I'll go with um, something legendary <laughs> or something, something that not just a Disney. That's like the Oscars, you know. You got Oscar. Yeah, there's a big, there's a big, big deal about that, you know. Uh, Disney how, legends. How about uh, soon to be? How about soon to be Disney legend? Because I got to imagine when it's all said and done, they're going to hang Ron Husband's jersey up in the rafters for Disney. They're going to say legend next to that name. But nonetheless, man, uh, thank you for doing this. I know it's been a long time coming. A uh, whole bunch of scheduling conflicts on my side. Hurricanes here. You know, work this, work that, you know. So like I said, I'm glad we're sitting, getting ready to sit down and do this. Um, and one thing that I've absolutely found fascinating about you and your career and I, I've had quite a few Disney folks on this past year. Um, and one thing that I haven't really, you know, gotten to delve too much into, I did a little bit with Floyd. Unfortunately, I'm, I only had about 30 minutes that I, I was able to release with Floyd of two hour uh, of a two hour talk. And Floyd just went in detail about, you know, his early days and everything like that. Um, but, you know, a little bit of a audio video mix up as far as the file goes. So we kind of lost the last 90 minutes of that talk. Um, so when it came to the early days of Disney, especially back in those days, um, you know, Floyd was there in the 60s. Um, and then you back in 70, was it 73 is when you started it? Is 75, February 75. 10th, 1975. 1975. Thank you. Um, and getting to learn from the nine old man, especially everybody else that was there, a part of that, that early crew of Disney animators, those guys and guys that were starting to, you know, you know, pass away or retire completely. And that knowledge was going to be lost if they didn't do, you know, the training program. And what I found fascinating when I was digging into, you know, learning more about Ron was you came up to that training program. You got to, you work with the guys that worked on Pinocchio, Snow White, Jungle Book, all of these these heavy hitters, these Disney legends, like you'll be a Disney legend one day, I'm sure. And if not, it'd be a travesty. And I'm going to write everybody. I live in the state of Florida, so we're right in Orlando. I'm right down the street from Orlando, you know. Um, so, but nonetheless, man, uh, let's take a step back and let's jump in our metaphorical DeLorean here. Let's go back to February. You said 15th? 10th. 10th man my head's not working today february 10th 1975 ron what was that first day coming into that training program for ron what was it like it was like uh, an empty page getting yeah. ready to be written on i knew nothing about animation i wasn't uh, a passion or or anything that uh you know i had dreamed about being an animator when i grow up you know, it was nothing like that whatsoever. Um, I had um, been a jock in high school and played uh, ball at uh, junior college once I got out of high school. And from there, I got a, a football scholarship to the University of Las Vegas. I was able to finish up there. And um, my goal, I wanted to do something in art, but I didn't know exactly what to do in art. Um, but I, I was took enough art classes to prepare myself for whatever horizon that I was going to walk into after graduation. And um, but at the time, you know, I, I was looking at um, illustrators, and in my in the back of my mind, I wanted to do uh, book and magazine illustration. Uh, I'd seen you know Bob McCall and Leroy Neiman. Um, yeah. 
you know, um, Norman Rockwell, you know, there's a number of um, illustrators uh, at the time. And, uh, and I said, gee whiz, you know, I, that's something I would like to do. And so my portfolio was geared towards uh, uh, commercial art. And upon graduation, I came back to Southern California. I was born and raised in Southern California, a little town called Monrovia. And um, coming back to Monrovia, and there's no uh, jobs for commercial artists mm-hmm. in Monrovia. It's about 40 miles east of Los Angeles proper. And there's, you know, there's not um, uh, publishing uh, places that would utilize a person that's just a rookie coming out. Chicago, New York is where I should have been, you know, if I was going to pursue uh, trying to be um, a young illustrator, you know, doing some some work and maybe picking up some some assignments. But I had no real idea and there was nobody to really talk and guide me through this maze of, you know, how are you going to make a living? You know, you're, you're an artist. Uh, how you going to make a living? And um, so at the time, I had a wife and two kids, uh, Jay and Michael, uh, my two sons at the time. My daughter, Melissa, was born later. But, um, you know, so I have a wife, two kids, and, you know, they were, uh, <laughs> I didn't have a sort of income coming in. So so when I got, I, I didn't even march at the uh, graduation ceremony. You know, I, I took my last final. My brother drove up, and um, and uh, my, my wife, my brother and his wife, they drove up, and they, you know, four hours back back to uh, Monrovia, actually Duarte. Um, and that Monday, I had multiple uh, resumes and uh, job applications going out. I had people, friends looking for a job around, <laughs> you know, that I had, you know, touched base with, you know, like early in the, you know, at the turn of the year, you know, you know I, I had to have something, you know, to come, to, to come in. So uh, I took a job at uh, a drafting place, you know, and drafting is, at least it's, you know, drafting high school. So, let, you know, let me do this. <laughs> And uh, before the week ended, uh, I got uh, a call from Honeywell uh, to be a, to go into their um, technical illustration department. And uh, so I, I did one week as a draft person, <laughs> and then I, I jumped into uh, jumped that ship and uh, went to another ship because again, uh, technical illustration is close to. Illustration, you know, uh, and uh, and there was about six of us in this uh, drafting department or illustration department, and there was you know there was one guy who got to do all the real creative stuff, you know, the 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 blown um, illustration where they show you know like a a washer and then a nut and mm-hmm. you know and then sort of, uh, the the exploded views, you know, these these type of things that were uh, really sort of fun to to do, but the rest of us in the in the crew, I think of about six or seven of us in the department, we did block diagrams and flow charts. So I did block diagrams and flow charts uh, for about a year and a half, and I at the end of that, you know, I said, "Yeah, you wish you know, I need, I want to do something more creative." You know, I mean, my creativity was a sort of you know, just sort of going nowhere. You know, the black diagram, black diagram and flowcharts. So uh, I said, if I want to do something more creative, I have to be around creative people. 
So where am I going to find creative people? Well, the uh, go to art school. So I uh, art center uh, was probably about maybe forty miles away. You know, it's in in uh, uh, Los Angeles, and uh, and so one night a week, you know, I would roll out to. Um, if you're into anime, manga, comic books, movie reviews, or just pop culture, Spoiler Force Podcast is the place for you. Not only do I talk about nerdy topics, I have conversations with a variety of guests, such as musicians, Comic-Con artists, cosplayers, other podcasters, and people from all over the world. Join me as I go on this journey to find ways to help others express themselves with their creativity. To Art Center, and um, my instructor happened to be a gentleman by the name of Sam McKim, mm-hmm. who worked for the um, uh, WED, which is a subsidiary of the Disney Studios, and they they design and build all the rides for the theme parks. It's called Imagineering, but it's, you know, WED uh, stands for what uh, Walt Disney um, something or other, but uh, it's, it's Disney Walt Disney's initials. Yeah. Uh, Walter Elias Disney, that's what, yeah, W-E-D. Uh, but again, you know, they design on and build all the rides for the theme park too. So Mr. McKim uh, mentioned a trainee program that the, the Disney studio had started um, several years before. I think in 1971, they, they started a, a trainee program. Because so I think you mentioned earlier on, um, uh, you know, and, and, you know, the very first feature, you know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Frank Thomas, Ali Johnson, Milt Call, John Lounsbury, you know, those guys worked on Snow White in 1937. And uh, here it is, 1974 at the time. And those gentlemen are still at the board animating. You know, and they never had a second team. <laughs> you know, they had the all-star lineup and they never really prepared to have you know, give the, the starters a blow and let the you know the, let the second team come in and and, and then you bring back. The, they never there's had no a, a second team. Board. Yeah, there's yeah. no six man coming up. Yeah, yeah, there's there nobody nobody in the wings, and uh, so these gentlemen were older. They didn't really retire. And I remember John Lounsbury. Uh, you know, he had uh, he got sick and, and passed away. Uh, you know, shortly after I got there. So you know, these gentlemen like I said were older. I said, you know, it's like 30, 1937, here's 1974. And, um, and so in 1971, uh, our, our animation department, Willie Reitherman, and some others got together and said, well, you know, let's take advantage of these older gentlemen so they can pass on their knowledge to a younger group of artists that could perhaps work their way into being animators. Because you, you can't go in there and, and literally, you know, you're just... Uh, a young coming out, where you coming out of Kellars, or you coming off the streets like myself. I mean, you just can't come in here and do uh, Frank Thomas, Ali Johnson, no call animation. You know, after that, you know, it takes, it takes a while to, to, you know, to, to, to get the knowledge to be able to um, to do what those young men have been doing for the cream of the crop for you know forty the last forty some odd years, making the best animation in the world. Um, but Mr. McKim, uh, he told the class one night that, you know, we're that, uh, about the training program and if anybody was interested. And I remember the, the conversation that night from the classroom to the parking lot was that I'm not going to Disney. They don't pay anything. And, and you know, literally uh, it was true. Uh, they paid very little. 
uh, to, you know, to their younger guys, um, but, you know, in, in the animation industry, but, you know, the, you know, the big, what they call the nine old man, you know, they were making, you know, big bucks, but yeah. everybody else was sort of, uh, you know, uh, it was, it wasn't that great. Yeah. Plus animation was not what it is today. You know, we look at, you know, all, all kinds of expressions of animation, uh, Japanese anime, and, you know, everybody's getting on the bandwagon doing animation and, and it's going to CGI now, but at the time, you know, Disney was like the only thing on the block. You know, you had uh, Ralph Bashi doing a thing every once in a while. Um, you know, a couple of studios, and, and you know, for uh, Hannah Barbera was doing the, the Flintstones and the limited animation for de- basically four kids, but as far as a uh, feature length animation, it was very, uh, you know, very lean. And Disney would do a picture like you know, once every three years, they would, they would release a picture once every three or four years. And so outside of Disney doing, you know, the animation, you know, it wasn't really, you know, very um, lucrative, acceptable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, so that was the kind of world that uh, I entered into. Uh, and so, um, you know, while most of the, uh, all the students said no. You know, I said yes, Mr. McHale. You know, get me an appointment. Uh, so he set me up with uh, with an interview with uh, Eric Larson, mm-hmm. who was heading up the animation department. Because Eric had gone literally worldwide to try to find people that perhaps could work their way into animation. Now, um, I didn't have any animation experience, and uh, my first interview with Eric, he looked at my portfolio, which was geared towards uh, illustration, really slick, finished uh, illustrations uh, that would, you know, like I said, be for uh, illustration purposes. And Eric said, you know, that that's that looks, that's okay, Ron, but what we want to see is quick sketch. You know, live, you know, from, from animals and humans in motion, you know, that's what we want to see. I didn't include any of that in my portfolio because I had no idea what um, an animator was, what an animator did. You know, what literally I hadn't seen an animated feature probably since I was, when I was 25. So probably since I was like nine or 10 years old, you know, you know cartoons or kids, you know, I'm, I'm growing up, I'm a teenager, you know. I just, and I didn't grow up with, um, you know, wanting to, you know, I mean, there's, 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 uh, people who were in the industry who wanted to be animators since the time that they saw their first animation at four or five years old, they, they'd grown up with that passion and, and had it uh, fulfilled working at, at Disney. I, I didn't have any of that. I just didn't, you know, I, it was nothing in, you know, on the radar, radar yeah. nothing back in the back of my mind. I just wanted to do something more creative. And so when uh, Eric told me that that's what they were looking for, <laughs> I said, wow, you know, um, when I was in high school, Monrovia High School, my junior year in high school, um, I got kicked out of art class. And before I got kicked out of art class, the instructor, uh, Miss Dorothy Clemens, uh, she encouraged the class to carry a sketchbook. And I took her advice. And uh, I have been carrying sketchbooks since high school. And I said my junior year, I was 67. I graduated in 68. So I've been carrying sketch books since 67. This is like, um, you know, 70, 74. So I had, you know, lots of sketchbooks. And so I just went home, got three sketchbooks, 
dropped him off at the guard gate, addressed to Eric Larson. And within a week, uh, he had called and uh, said I could start the training program anytime I wanted, based on my quick sketches, what he saw in my quick sketches, the potential. Because, um, you know, and, uh, not knowing anything about animation, not a thing. And, and I think that, you know, the original question you started off with, what was my first day like? You know, when I say a blank piece of paper, I was literally a blank piece of paper. Uh, I, I, everything I learned, I learned starting that first day. Uh, you know, lines that move on paper, how to flip paper, and how to, you know, get things to literally, you know, have the illusion of movement. Mm-hmm. It was all really extremely fascinating and and um, an eye opening and a, a total learning experience from day one. You know, I'm still learning as an artist. You, you never, you know, learn it all. You know, you're always growing. And that first day was literally um, you know, starting to pour the water into into the into the container as far as uh, animation knowledge because I, I I knew nothing. You know, there were you know, in the trainee program. Uh, Glenn Keane was in there. He had been there. He got there about six months before I got there. And Glenn had come from CalArts, so uh, they have a, um, an animation program there. So he had a tremendous amount of experience coming in. Uh, I had no experience. And so you have the, the spectrum of, of, of people in between there because uh, they were just looking for artists mm-hmm. that, could prop, that they could perhaps train to be animators because animation wasn't about and drawing, because they're not going to teach how to draw. You have to come in with that uh, that that natural God-given ability to be able to draw. What they were going to do was teach you how to act, have timing, um, drawing on model, uh, drawing solid, you know, solid drawings, good drawings, storytelling drawings, and it's all about storytelling and, and getting those concepts. And so the training, the training program lasted uh, four weeks. And in those four weeks, uh, you were um, to do a, uh, a little test, a little rough pencil test. And she maybe maybe two or three seconds long, you know, at, at the most. You know, and some people who had more experience, you know, could do something longer and a little bit more sophisticated. Mine was just really, really rough, really, really <laughs> bare bones. And, they, and, and, and at the end of four weeks, you know, they take that uh, training from Eric Larson, Eric, Lar- Eric. Uh, they had uh, um, John Lounsbury uh, come in and do talks. Um, Mark Davis would come in and do talks. Um, you know, they had all these great animators come in after work and, and give us talks and, and uh, encourage us to you know, to, to carry sketchbook, which I didn't need much uh, encouragement to do that. Uh, but, you know, they were always talking about, you know, sharpening your, yourself to be able to uh, to draw so that drawing will not hinder you from your storytelling. Mm-hmm. It's all about storytelling, literally, because, you know, you go, to, you go to work and we go see um, Charlie Chaplin, um, Lone Hardy Shorts, where, where there, you know, the, the silence where uh, body language, you know, they were they were telling a story with body language and with facial expressions, and that was what we were studying because that was so much a part of the performance of the characters that you're working on. And uh, after after four weeks, like I said, they, they showed that test to um, 
uh, to the review board of seasoned animators and, and some of the uh, executives. And it's like sink or, sink or swim. You know, you either are going to stick out because they didn't hire you as animators. They hired you as trainees. Mm-hmm. They could let you go at any time. And going through the trainee program was not a given. You know, just because you got the trainee program, there's no guarantee that you were going to be hired by Disney. Yeah. You know, and uh, so it was a big gamble on my part, you know, with a wife, two kids, you know, <laughs> and, and staying with my mom, right? Uh, and and what the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you laugh or you laugh at it now, but yeah, that that was a situation, you know. And, and so for me yeah. to give up a sure thing at Honeywell, doing block drive games and flight flowcharts to go to Disney, which is really iffy, and the, the pay was, you know, it, it was no joke. It was, it was pretty low. I think I was like $144 a week, something like that. You know, and it's yeah. like, you know, the 70. But I mean, that was, that was uh, the chance I took yeah. uh, to be able to do something more creative. And uh, I never went to bed, you know, thinking, oh, man, they might keep me out here. It was just uh, just a really fun learning experience, like a kid in Disneyland, you know, just, just looking all, you know, wide-eyed, and, you know, and looking, taking in all the sights. And you know, there was a ton of stuff to learn. You know, Frank Thomas, Ali Johnson, you know, you know, I I know these individuals. You know, there were there were people there who had come in, wanted to be animators all their life, and they're they're you know bug eyed when they see Frank walking out <laughs> a hall. You know, yeah, I, I Frank, you know, I mean, just, I mean, I, I know I didn't know these guys. You know, I, I mean, I didn't grow up with that type of well, background. You know, but they were just nice guys. You know, Frank, Ali, Bill, you know. This like everybody's on a first name basis, you know, so you didn't go around Mr. So and so, Mr. Everybody, you know, hi Ron, you know, hi Mill, you know, hi Ollie, you know, and then you know, they're very friendly guys. Because again, they were really open about you know passing on their information. But you know, but the training, the trainees, like I said, there was probably about about a dozen of us up on the second floor of the animation building, taking you know all these training. Eric would. Organize uh, you know, speakers and and uh, give us lectures and give us uh, just really opportunities to learn. And, we, and while we we're working on our, our rough pencil test, you know, we take them in and show them to Eric, and Eric sit at his desk and you take our little our drawings and you put a piece of paper over those drawings and he show you how it's supposed to be done. You know, <laughs> you, know you want to get you know you want to get some um, some silhouette value in there. You want to you know you want to move the the, the body and then push it in this direction or pull it in that direction and you know all, all the all the great stuff that uh, looking over your shoulder uh, getting some some just really pointers literally of, of how to to animate you know and but you know it was it was that type of a learning experience and so you show your 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 pit your chest and probably half of the people who showed a test would would make it on to uh, they say this person shows potential this person doesn't he's got to go or she's got to go and then uh, if you made it through the first test then you get you extended another four weeks to do another test be based on uh, you know what you learned on the first test and then you know, what what you continue to learn and getting a, a little bit more sophisticated. Uh, like I said, my test was really, really rough compared to, say, somebody like Glenn who came in from my animation background and had a more sophisticated test. Um, and But again, he, was, he had gotten there about six months before I got there. And uh, and, I, and I passed my second test. 
And after you passed the second test, then they sent you down to the first floor where they were actually working on a production. Mm-hmm. And at the time, uh, the rest of you were working on the rescuers, the yeah. tail end of the rescuers. And um, and I came down, and they were waiting for like rooms to open up so, so they have some place for us to uh, come down to. Because uh, you know, most we were up on the second floor of the animation building. And they put, they teamed me and Glenn together. Um, and we were uh, sent down to uh, uh, the D wing, it's called the D wing of the animation building on the first floor, um, where, you know, Frank was there, Frank, Ali, uh, Mill, uh, they were on that on that uh, D wing in, in their rooms. And Glenn and I, we shared a room uh, at the end of the hallway. And uh, we did in-betweens. That's how you literally learned uh, animation by doing in-betweens for actual animator. And I was doing in-betweens for Frank Thomas and uh, Glenn was doing in-betweens for Ollie Johnson. And uh, and that's literally how I learned animation, uh, doing uh, in-betweens for Frank. And Frank would, uh, you know, he'd get these big blocks of scenes, you know, dozen scenes or more you know, from a sequence. And he's working on, and he'd give me um, little simple scenes to do. And so I got a chance to do, you know, my, my eight hour job was to do Frank's in betweens. And then on <laughs> breaks and on, on weekends and after work, uh, I'd work on a, a little a scene that Frank would give me. And then you know, show it to Frank, and you know, show me you know, what you're supposed to do <laughs> and how it should be done. Um, <laughs> But you know, it was it was a you know, it was a learning experience of having literally doing some animation, as well as doing you know learning in between and how Frank worked you know as far as uh, his approach to a scene, great draftsmanship, um, real well thought out, um, tons of thumbnails, uh, just you know just just how to how to approach a scene and to to, to get the most out of it. Um, Particularly acting uh, portion of it was, you know, Frank Oliver, you know, that's just great um, draftsman, but as well as uh, actors. Because you look at, you know, what you remember those acting performances that Captain Hook and Bambi and, you know, all the, you know, what you remember, you remember their acting performances and you forget that it's a drawn picture, which you're supposed to do. You're just supposed to get off into the storytelling, right? And that's, that's the goal. Um, but, um, and, by the end of the rescuers, I had done approximately 51 feet of animation uh, on, the, on the side. <laughs> uh, but in those days, you had to do 100 feet of animation to do screen credit. Mm-hmm. If you did 100 feet, you got screen credit. Uh, you got uh, paid an animator's salary because of a union. And uh, and so you know, if you do 100 feet, you know, you're an animator. If you if you if you're an animator, you have done 100 feet. You know, if you, if you got screen credit, you're an you know. So one 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 fits all, right? Uh, um, but I had 51 feet, and so all of my 51 feet goes to Frank. You know, because I didn't have 100 feet. Yeah. And um, the next picture up was um, let's see, uh, oh, uh, um, um, Pete Dragon. <laughs> and, uh, and by this time, Frank had uh, gone into um, Frank and Ali. They were just about ready to retire. They, they did a little bit of work on uh, in, the, in the very beginning of um, 
of a fox and a hound. Mm-hmm. They were sort of, uh, you know, uh, doing some work on that before they both retired. But the next picture up for me, and let's see, that, that was in 75, what, in February, or February 75. Um, then round 80, we did uh, Peace Dragon. And again, did another 50 some odd feet on Peace Dragon doing in between for Gary, Gary Goldman and uh, doing some animation on, on the side. And uh, another 50 feet. And uh, you know, uh, close but no cigar, right? Because uh, you know, so, so uh, even though I worked on those pictures, I don't get screen credit because he didn't hit a hundred feet. And then, then the next picture we worked on was uh, a small one, and uh, I was able to uh, hit a hundred feet on on small one and get my first screen credit. And uh, the rest is, uh, let's say, it's history, as they like to say. Uh, one thing I want to circle back to. Have you ever read, have you read, a, or not read, have you ever wrote or started to write an autobiography about your life? Uh, no. no? I, Man, think, I, I think, think the blog, I think the blog is probably about as close as I've come. Mm. Well, if you ever go to, if you ever go to write one, I think I got a title for you. Animation dot, dot, dot on the side. I think that's what you should do. Animation <laughs> uh, the, the story of Ron Husband. Uh, there's a few things I well, want to know, start that, you know, there's a lot of truth in that because, um, you know, teaching, I, start, I coined the word. It's quick sketch, illustration, animation. It's one big word because the concepts that you're looking for in one, you're also looking for in the other two. Mm-hmm. You're looking for solid drawing. You're looking for silhouette value. You're, you're looking for... Um, uh, balance, proportion, perspective. In, in in animation, that's what you're looking for. You know, to have a good solid drawing, silhouette where everything reads. You know, timing. Um, you know, the whole. You know, and storytelling. And then in, in illustration, you're looking for the same things. You're looking for silhouette value, solid drawing, and in, in quick sketching. You know, I'm looking for. The same things, you know, uh, a solid drawing, and the only the only thing that's that's missing in the quick sketch is, t- is time to make an illustration, and in an illustration you tell you tell a story in a single drawing, in animation you tell a story in a series of drawings, but you all you all you're looking for the same concepts, quick sketch, illustration, animation, my one word. But, uh, but you know, it, um, so we, you know when you when you said your you know the title that you said you know, it, it it all ties in, you know, yeah. it literally ties in because you're it's storytelling. You know when you look at this my quick sketches, there's story there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's story, very simple. You know, quick, fast, in a hurry. Those quick sketches are done in like sixty seconds or less. But it's it's storytelling, and you can tell right off the bat. You know, good drawing, uh, slow it value. I'm looking for all those things that are quick sketch. And those same concepts I'm looking for when I do my illustration. And those same concepts are present when you do animation. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's no no difference. Well, thank you for breaking that down, man. There's a lot of knowledge that's being dropped here, ladies and gentlemen. So I hope you got your pen and paper. Come back and watch this video a couple of times so you can get all this stuff and soak up all the raw knowledge you can. Um, there's a few things I really wanted to circle back to. 
Uh, I haven't had too many people that have kind of had firsthand experience with a lot of the, uh, you know, Disney's old, the Disney's nine old men, uh, you know, I mean, um, none of them are here anymore, man. It's, it's sad, but you know, that's, that's kind of like life, you know, father time is he's unbeaten sad, uh, unfortunately. Um, but I got to imagine, you know, you coming up during that era, man, working with the dudes that broke animation, I mean, for the longest time, like you said at the beginning of the chat, Walt Disney was animation. Animation was Walt Disney. They were the the forefront. They were the they were the folks that were really pushing innovation when it came to animation. Um, so I gotta imagine you've had uh maybe a fun time. I think this one came up with Floyd too, and I talked to Floyd. Uh I don't think that part was in the first 30 minutes of the uh, chat that I was able to release because of the uh you know, just the video taking a dump on us, unfortunately. Um, but uh, I think he said it was either Frank or it was Ollie. One of them gave him his best ass chewing he'd ever had in his life. And it was when he was on the Jungle Book. He messed something up. One of one of the two scenes. He, I can't remember what he said. Um, but uh, you got a favorite story. Or you got one story that you think of whenever you think of Frank. You hear that name. Anything come to mind? Well, this um, oh, is a really good person i mean yeah. he, he was he was just a really a, a fine gentleman uh multi-talented you know he played um in the firehouse five band yeah. he played i think they played, he played the piano yeah. really great um you know he, he loved trains he, mm -hmm. uh, ollie was you know the train guy you know, but um, frank was there um so he had like some outside interests uh, which helped, I'm, I'm sure, help fuel his imagination to be able to uh, do the great animation that he, that he, that he uh, had done and, and left that legacy uh, to, to even watch to this day. Um, but you know, when I think about you know Frank, even the, you know, the older guys, um, I was such a rookie and and with and totally uh, unknowledgeable about animation itself. That you know, I, I I wish that I had more knowledge to be able to to, to pry his mind more, mm -hmm. to, to to ask some really pertinent questions that would help me down down the road. But I didn't know I didn't know the questions to ask because I was so new in animation that uh, every concept was um, was new, mm -hmm. and it was you know it was just a fresh learning experience. But to you know, stand over Frank's shoulder as he, and look over his shoulder as he went over my drawings, uh, seeing his his work work ethic to where how he approached the scene, uh, how it was he talked about it being based on uh, real people he knew, like the three uh, fairy godmothers in uh, Sleeping Beauty. You know, he, he talked about how he had gone some. Uh, somewhere in, in these little old ladies on the front porch, you know, talking and one had this personality and another had this personality, another had this. And he incorporated, you know, that type of um, um, interaction and observation into his artwork. It made it, and it gives it uh, that, that, uh, that real genuine, genuine yeah, personality where you say, oh, I, I know a person like that or, I've seen a person like that. I've heard about a person, so it, so it becomes real for the audience. Mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, but yeah, you know those those are things that you know when I think about uh, Frank, uh, um, those type of things come to memory, come to memory, and just 
just how uh, personable and nice he was. Just a really, really great uh, human being. When I wrote um, my book, uh, Quick Sketching, um, I gave Frank and Ali um, a rough draft of it, you know, because, you know, was a, you know, I've been quick sketching forever, you know, like, um, since I have sketchbooks that go back to 1962, when I was 12 years old. Uh, and, um, and, I, and then people say, hey, Ron, you ought to write a book about that. You ought to write a book about that. Nah, I don't have time. And I said, when I started teaching, you know, I said, okay, you know, some of the concepts that I was teaching were things that um, that I, you know, picked up observation instead, instead of quick sketching. And um, I said, well, you know, I, I could perhaps reach more people if I put it in a book form. And so I took five years off. I didn't do any. You know, I, I, I was doing um, um, freelance uh, work for book magazines, et cetera throughout the years. And I said, well, I'm not gonna do any any book, magazine, illustration, no finance work, no personal opinion work, nothing. I'm gonna just devote all my time to to writing this book. I didn't know it was gonna take me five years to do, but it literally did take me five years to put it all together. My, you know, my wife did all the type and all that kind of stuff. And me, I'm going through all these sketchbooks, you know, 50 years of sketchbooks trying to find images that are gonna match um, uh, the, uh, the concepts that I'm trying to, trying to get over or talk about and write about. And uh, and so I had uh, sketches and uh, some dialogue, et cetera, or some text. And I and in this very rough form, I gave a copy to Frank and Ali. And uh, and I and uh, I was I got I was going I went down to um, I've been hired. Um, I had retired and I, and I went to um, Australia. Disney had a studio in Australia at the time. And I was um, down there doing, uh, they, they asked me to do animation and teach the uh, the crew. Uh, but when I got there, it was all teaching and, and no animation at the board. You know, yeah. they had some, some some issues going on between departments. And, Ron, come put out the fire. So, so I was there <laughs> doing, doing uh, you know, doing, uh, showing how to work together, that, that type of thing. Encouraging him to work there, not showing, just encouraging. Yeah. But uh, but when I got back, I spent three months down in Australia, and then when I got back, uh, Frank uh, invited me over to his house so we could discuss the book. And, he, and in the book, um, uh, both Frank and Ali had written letters uh, of their comments about you know the book itself. And actually, uh, I asked permission from uh, Frank's family and Ali's family if I could. Uh, could use the book, those, those letters they sent to me in the book. But, you know, I went up and uh, had an opportunity to, to talk with them. Uh, they were, you know, both in their 90s at the time. Uh, and just, you know, the, the same person that he was uh, at work, the same person that he was, you know, at his home. And, um, yeah, and, and Frank and Ali, you know, we, we were scheduled to have lunch together. And, and, and discuss, you know, the book. But you know, when I got there, they just you know, we just talked about old times, and and I just had a, a great time just fellowshipping together with Frank and Ali. Um, I gotta yeah, imagine they were very proud of you too. I got to imagine they're super proud of seeing you. They you, they got you super young, not knowing anything about animation, like you said. And then they helped mold you. They helped train you. They poured all of this knowledge into you. And then many years later, you're writing a book, and then you're using the letters that those two gentlemen wrote to you. 
man, it's got to feel good. I, I got, like I said, they got to be super proud of you. Yeah, well, you know, Frank, uh, they had such a great influence on on all of the young guys coming up. You know, as uh, Ali took literally Glenn under his wing, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and Glenn just uh, blossomed. You know, and, and, and all of us, you know, having the experience uh, with those really nine old men passed on their knowledge, you know, passed on the torch, because we were nowhere near being the animators that they were at at, at the time. But you know, it, it took it took a while for for us to to get the experience to be able to um, do some quality animation. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's really cool. Thank you for sharing those stories, man. Uh, like I said, I, I don't get to talk to too many people that have gotten to work with you know the great ones, if you will, man. The Disney's not old men. Uh, so anytime we can, you know, sit back, relax, and reminisce about those gentlemen, I always like to. Um, before moving before moving off of this topic uh you know you had said that you were a pretty uh blank canvas right blank paper and they just drew upon you essentially they tried to give you as much information as they could so that information wasn't lost once they were done and retired uh throughout your career was there any one piece of advice that frank might have given you that you've used your entire career or you know maybe you use that same advice with your students now that you probably learned from frank does anything stand out yeah, um, it's preparation mm-hmm. uh, for a scene. And it wasn't so much that you know, he, ta- he, t- he said, Ron, this is what you have to do. It was just watching him prepare yeah. to um, tackle the scene. You know, thumbnails, you know, listen to the uh, soundtrack, um, you know, just, just his, his uh, total preparation to be able to do the scene and to get the most out of it and the, the acting performance. You know, mm-hmm. How long is it going to take to put this emotion over so the audience gets it? Yeah. And there's no guesswork. You know, and so it, that takes a lot of thought and preparation and planning. And you know, just to see uh, Frank, you know, the, 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 the thumbnails he would do and um, it's just the best the best way to approach this. Um, and I remember in a conversation um, with Frank, um, we're using some some live action. And so I, 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 what's the best way to use live action? You know, use live action for um, certain portions of, uh, of um, was it Captain Hook and you know, different, different. And, you know, Frank's, okay, you know, here's your photo stats, you know, and the characters, this, then you know, first pass, you know, you understand and you, and you take that drawing of ex- extreme drawing and you, you push it a little bit. Right? And you go back and you push it some more. You know, and, and you in the third pass, you, know, you push it and you know, how far can you push it with it without it not getting grotesque on you? Yeah. You know, and still within the believability bounds of, of what you're trying to get across in your story. And you know, so that was one of the things that uh, that I, I, I took away, you know, among other things. You know, that if you're ever using live action, you push it. And even even in, if you're not even using live action, how far can you push that that pose? Mm-hmm. You know, without it going um, bizarre on you or, or yeah. getting uh, grotesque or or, or unbelievable, it, it becomes unbelievable. You know, mm-hmm. but you, but uh, you know, so those are. Uh, just a couple of things that 
that I could you know, call on right off the top of the bat. You know, uh, I'm sure you, there's there's a ton more. If I, you know, wake up tonight about midnight. So, oh, yes, that's, oh, yes, one hundred percent. That's why that's why we need to do part two, part three, part four, part five, and probably part six with Ron Husband to see <laughs> what else we can pull out of that head. Right. So you know, let's flash forward ahead here just a little bit. Once you finally hit that hundred feet, you got your first credit. You saw your name up there in the credits at the end of the movie. What was that like? What was that feeling like? Do you remember that feeling? <laughs> another another story. Um, during small one, um, yeah, uh, I, um, I I started getting sick and didn't really know what uh, what what was the cause. Um, I remember, you know, trying to stay somewhat. In shape, you might say, and you know, I stop off and, and run, or uh, get home from, uh, get home from, on my way home from work, or get home and run, and you know, just sort of do some athletic things, you know, yeah. be an ex jock, right? And um, I remember getting tired. I read run, and then, you know how you get tired, and you sort of get your second win. Mm-hmm. And my second win never did come back. You know, it's like I was tired. You know, I just got tired. And um, in my, I started to lose my equilibrium, and my um, my appetite was so so not very good, and my equilibrium was going, and my eyes were turning turning yellow. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I tried to, you know, grab it, was like, but you, but you did it, that's right. <laughs> and and I was going to work. Every day, and, and my equilibrium was such that if I turn my head left or right, I got dizzy. You know, if you're like, a, yeah, just a momentary dizziness. You know, if I, if I look left or right, so um, I would get in. And we lived about uh, about thirty miles from from Burbank, from, from where I live, where we live. And, and I get in, get on the, get on the freeway, and get in one lane, so I wouldn't have to change lanes. Because if I looked left or right, I get yeah. So I get one lane, and, and, and sit that one lane all the way to work. And uh, walking up down the hallways, I have to uh, bang against the wall as I walk to keep from falling over. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, my equilibrium was was uh, really shaky at the time. And Ron Miller, who was the um, so actually, before before that, I had gone to a doctor to see him. You know, what, what, what's wrong with me? Because I know, you know, this is not normal. And the doctors, you know, after examining me, he said, "Yeah, I'm not going to write you a note so you can get off work." Wow. So you know, I said, oh, "If the doctor doesn't take it seriously, then why should I?" You know, so I kept on going to work. You know, banging on the wall as I walked down the hallway, so I would literally fall over. And Ron Miller, who was the uh, president of Disney at the time, uh, he said, "What's wrong with Ron? What's going on?" And so he, so uh, Ron Miller, uh, he had a secretary call up these specialists, you know, to, to, uh, for appointments. You know, ear, nose, and throat guy. Ron, uh, we got your appointment to go see an ear, nose, and throat guy. So I go and see. Him. They do the examination. They say, "Well, nothing wrong with your nose and throat." Okay, and you know, and, and so they they set me up with specialists, and eventually they, um, our secretary, through Ron, uh, 
got me an appointment with a neurologist. And the neurologist was literally right across the street from the Disney Studios. And uh, <laughs> and I went to the appointment. And, you know, the guy, Dr. George Bruner, I remember George Bruner, but was, he's, he almost fell off his chair. And he says, you know, you go across the street, the hospital right across the street, Providence, thank you, excuse me, St. Joseph Hospital was right across the street. From the studio and run country from the doctor's office. Go to the studio, check yourself in. You know, uh, don't go home. You know, and and uh, so I went in, and uh, probably about a couple of days later, uh, it was a they performed an operation. I had a cyst. It was going in the back of my my brain here, but you know you can't see it right around right, right, right here. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, and the cyst was you know your brain and your Skulls, they fit like hand and glove, right? So the yeah. cyst was like a like a um, a blister. It was putting pressure, it putting distance between the brain and the uh, the skull. And so you had to go in there and um, and train that, you know, to. Uh, and they wouldn't, they didn't know whether it was malignant or anything until I actually got in there. Uh, so it's a, a eight hour uh, brain operation. Yeah. Uh, and I told my wife that um, probably gonna die on the operating table. Holy but shit. if the operation is a success, he's paralyzed from the neck down and the waist down. Uh, but you know, good lord, other things in 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 mind. So they train the cysts. Uh, and my motor skills started to come because I, I, I could barely write. You know, I lost my ability to, to hold a pencil. That time. So I had to learn, relearn that stuff. It took me about three or four months to where I could get off a walker and just sort of take little baby steps and, and be able to, to walk somewhat normal um, and recovering from uh, from the operation. And I went back to work uh, half days and then, uh, you know, basically worked into full days after a few months. Um, but I said all that to answer the question you asked about how uh, I felt I, um, when I was promoted to an animator. During the time that I was sick before the operation, or literally dying before the operation, I said, well, maybe if I take a take a week off work and just stay in bed and rest, you know, my strength might come back. So I did. I, I took a week off. Vacation. I said, "Wait, vacation time." So I took a week off, in bed. I remember going to bed the Sunday night. I said, "Okay, I'll stay in bed." And and literally, you know, that next uh, week, I felt just the worst that I did. And I made it so so. Rest of it didn't help the situation, but during the time I was home, uh, it, uh, Ed Hansen, who was the head of uh, the animation department, called and said, Ron, you know, you made animator. I, I remember laying in bed had the phone and said, Ah, oh, thanks. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> and just you know, laid back down because yeah, but I was I was literally dying on the vine, mm -hmm. you know. And I got the good news and I was I would always been, I would always thought that you know, I'd be sitting at the board, animating away, and, and Frank, or not Frank, but uh, Ed Hansen would come in and say, Ron, you've been putting your, for more to an animator, and I'm 
jumping up and you know and doing flips because all this happened. Nothing like that at all. You know, I was just uh, I was out of it. You know uh, when I was promoted to an animator, but uh, I hit it. it wasn't for, I was I hit a hundred feet, <laughs> which meant at the end of the picture I get uh, screen credit. But you know by hitting hundred feet, I was given the title of an animator, and the union is going to kick in, and I'll be making animator salary. You know, so things were you know, some good things were happening, but at the time I wasn't able to really fully enjoy them. You know. Uh, but yeah, you know, that's life. Man, well, all things considered, Ron, I'm glad you're here, man. I'm pretty sure you're glad you're here, and your family's glad you're here too. But that is a wild story, you know. It, it's it just goes to show you, ladies and gentlemen, push through the best you can, but go and get checked out when you need to, man. If you start feeling something's not right, something's off, you know your body better than anybody else is going to know your body. You know when. Man, I just wake up. I don't feel right. Uh, nothing doesn't seem right. I'm not thinking right. I'm not thinking clearly. My fingers aren't working right. You know, so it's just be aware, be tuned into your body, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and thank you for sharing those stories, man. I appreciate it. Second opinion. Second, get a second opinion. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you need three, right, man? So, yeah, yeah. And shout out to Ron Miller for 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 you know the foresight yeah, yeah. to say, hey. Get this guy some help, you know. So, because most of the time, yeah. people that busy, they can just walk right by you. And say, hey, they got stuff to do. Ron's just Ron might be drunk, or Ron might be hungover. Ron might be doing it. Maybe Ron just didn't get some sleep last night. He'll be all right. But he took an invested interest in you and said something's not right. And then you know he followed up, man. So I got to imagine that felt pretty good too. Um, yeah, that, that's a you know that, that that was the studio was run in those days. You know, and it was no joke when they, they, they said you know everybody's on a first name level, first name basis. You know, the, the guys on the third floor, the janitors. You know, everybody was on a first name basis. Very friendly studio, very encouraging. Um, wanting to see the best. Um, of, of the employees, you know, so it was a it was a good a good time to be there. And considering, you know, I, I was probably the only black uh, there for long periods of time. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm you know literally first black animator at Disney Studios, and you know, and and, and literally you know, myself and there was another guy by the name of Mike McKinney. He, he's coming to training department and he is road led him into a cleanup. So Mike McKinney, myself, and the janitors were the only uh, you know, people of color uh, at Disney Studio you know, back in the early 70s. You know, 70, uh, Mike got there in 71. He's like one of the first first wave of, uh, of trainees. And I was about the, the third wave uh, of trainees because the, the first wave included uh, uh, Don, well, Don Blues was there, um, Gary Goldman and John Pomeroy. Was a, it, was a, it was the first wave, and they were uh, thought to, you know, they were going to be the, the the leaders of the the new wave. Of, the next wave is coming in. Um, but like I said, you know, it was um, a good time to be there, growing time. Dude, it, it's crazy that we've been speaking for over an hour, and this is the first time we've talked John Pomeroy, talked Don Bluth. You know, it's that whole story of that walkout is so fascinating from the Don Blues walkout to what, what do they call them? The rat nest, the guys that stayed yeah. like Musker. And that, yeah, that, yeah, they had the, uh, you know, Jerry Reese and the guy, the, um, 
John Musker, those guys are John the Musker. rest. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Brad Bird. You know, it's just like all yeah, of those Brad. guys. It's just, you know, when I started this podcast, it was just, I'm a huge Ninja Turtle fan, if you can't see, right? So, you know, the fans have heard this story. It was just originally to just talk Ninja Turtles with folks that from the cartoons to the movies to the comic books, anybody and everybody that ever worked on the Ninja Turtles, it's all I want to talk about. Shit fell through, and then I started thinking, like, man, I'm probably running out of stuff to talk about when it comes to Ninja Turtles pretty quickly. And, you know, having the foresight and clairvoyance that I had, I, I ran out of stuff to talk about with, with the Ninja Turtles stuff because nobody really wanted to talk Ninja Turtles. So I was like, well, I love animation. I love comic books. I love sports. I love cooking. I got to imagine I can find something, you know, to talk about. Animation was – it's been a huge part of my life since as early as I can remember. And, you know, looking, looking back and, and finding out all of this stuff. And like I said, it's only two years in and I'm still learning. You said it yourself. You're not learning. You're dying, man. I'm learning something new every single day. And when it came to animation, uh, there was one thing I didn't know about was that Don Bluth walkout. It wasn't until I bought, you know, Frank and Ollie's book, The Illusions of Life. Um, and I, you know, shared it on Jerry Beck's page. They're like, oh, that looks like the new one. That's the, that's the, the one where they, you know, essentially washed out all of Don Bluth's, uh, all of their contributions, everything like that. They didn't make any kind of, I was like, really? What's going on? And it wasn't until I had Tom Cito on, he was like, yeah. And he's like, talk to John Pomeroy, which I ended, ended up doing uh, not too long ago. But uh, just hearing that story, the walkout, um, when that happened, and I guess we'll kind of end it with this one. We'll we'll, we'll tell this story if you want to. Um, you were there when the whole Don Bluth studios walked out or Don Bluth, John Palmer and all them walked out with all the animators, correct? Uh, yeah. What was that feeling like when that happened? I mean, you specifically obviously can't talk for everybody, but I mean, what was that day like for you? You seeing these guys that were ushered in that were groomed to be the next guys after the nine old men, man. What was that? What was that day? Like, what was it feeling like? You remember anything from that day? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've never uh, one that was clickish, you know. Yeah. And they had uh, so there were you know some clicks going yeah. on uh, in the sense that uh, you know Don has with you know the people that that left with Don have been working on uh, Banjo the Woodpile Cat, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, after after hours, you know, they were, they were doing that, putting that together. And that, you know, I trying to build a great little little film. And you know, he got the funding to to do you know something greater. And uh, so you know, he and and uh, Gary and and John, you know, they they left first, right? and then about a week or so later, uh, more of the crew. Uh, left that that been basically working on banjo, yeah? and so that group uh, left, and you know just you know I'm I'm so at the time you know I was, I was basically just new in animation and and the politics really didn't didn't uh, affect me much. Yeah, you know, I, I was probably one of the older guys. I was like 25 in 1975 when I went there. Um, and for me, you know, it was just okay. I have I have a job, you know, and, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I I have an opportunity to come and do some uh, get paid for drawing. So it wasn't really a job. It's it just you know going to a, a a place where I got paid to draw pictures, and that was okay for me. You know, I I, I saw you know when they when they left, uh, there was it was more 
shock and and um, emotion on on other people that I saw around me to sort of oh, how can they do that you know you know they they just left without um, um, uh, two weeks notice and you know they left it. and you know and there were certain people that were that were uh, pretty upset about you know the way that they just uh, up and left and but you know it just, it just didn't it didn't phase me because mm-hmm. I had a, an opportunity to to draw pictures for a living and get paid for it. Next so, man up. Yeah, next man uh, up. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's what that's what they did. There was no erasing that. And they saw, you know, they, they saw my, you know, our stories at the time were, were pretty lame. Or, you know, they, they weren't really doing, you know, story wise, you know, um the pictures weren't really progressing. And 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 um and Don and, and, and John and uh, and Gary, yeah, they so they saw that, and just, so they had opportunity to do something more exciting and more, um, I say, you know, more exciting from their point of view and more uh, challenging and more, you know, they wanted to put Disney back into Disney. You know, they they wanted to out Disney Disney. Yeah, know, they bet on themselves. Especially special effects and all, and and, and really, that took a lot. Um, of of uh, gusto mm-hmm. for them to make that move, you know, because here's you know Disney's a big giant, and so now we're gonna break off. We're gonna do something um, on an equal basis of what the big giant's been doing, and that took a lot of uh, of, of of moxie, you know, on, yeah. on, on Don's part to pull away and say, okay, let, we're gonna do this, and get the funding to be able to do it. And they, and they did it in a, in a real great fashion, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, rats and them, you know. You know, it's a nice picture, you know, a great little piece of picture that they did, you know. Uh, and at the time, you know, we were doing some some things. They were just sort of formulate formulaic, and it wasn't that all wasn't that uh, uh, entertaining, um, you know. Things that we were working with at the time was that uh, what uh, the uh, black culture. Right, that, that they 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 took a walk on, and you know, Cauldron is, is pretty. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's real complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, and in the in the sense that uh, Lloyd Lloyd Alexander's five uh, books, you know, the, you know, children five children book, and try to boil that down into one picture, and 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 you enter. I think the the feeling feeling was uh, that. The Black Cauldron was going to be the young guys, Snow White, yeah. and so it was sort of like, okay, we're we're we're, we're going to make this masterpiece, and we're going to make this masterpiece, and you know, um, class, we're going to make this classic, you know. But classics are made, you know, over a period of time, you know, it becomes a classic. You don't make classic; it, it becomes yeah. a classic, you know. Uh, over a period of time, it's got all the ingredients to make to make it a classic, and people respond to it. But you know, you go off the, you know, it's a, it just, you know, it's, it just wasn't you know, uh, a real good picture. But for me, it was a good experience because I was learning, and I was learning how to animate, and I was learning, you know, a lot of things about animation. So it was just another vehicle of pointing to me. Um, Opportunities to you know, to do some animation, you know, uh, 
so you know there's it's, you know, I'm sure everybody's got a different uh, viewpoint on on that, but uh, this, it didn't really affect me. Mm-hmm. And I remember, um, you know, there was oh, you know, the, the footage average. You know, you got to get footage average has to has to to keep pace with the you know the picture, the projection of the picture has to be done by a certain date. So you have to get a certain amount of uh, footage done by a certain date, so you can uh, meet up at the end and. And uh, and you won't go over budget. You won't go over 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 time spent on the picture. And um, thought there was going to be a big big uh, drop, but you know it it didn't affect it affected the studio in for his uh, footage, but it, it wasn't that much of a of a of a drop to um, to say that because you know this group of people left. That the picture, uh, you know, was going to be delayed mm-hmm. for long periods of time. You know, so their their leaving didn't, you know, extremely talented people. You know, that that um, that took off. You know, uh, Gary and and Ron and John, you know, great animators. You know, and mm-hmm. people that that went with them. You know, that it was good. You know, good people. Um, but you know, it, it didn't affect. Uh, the the, uh, the picture overly uh, yeah. that much uh, and and you know but it just said but Calden just wasn't uh, that great a picture you know that they thought it was going to be just it's a little bit too complicated and uh, yeah so you know, everybody got their thoughts on on, on, that, on, the, on that topic but uh, but that's it didn't, didn't affect me uh, that much. But, you know, uh, Gary and, and John, you know, good friends. Uh, mm-hmm. John, you know, uh, so, you know, losing, having seen, you know, not being able to see him on a daily basis. But, you know, still the friendships there. Well, that's good, man. And uh, time heals all, as they like to say, man. And yeah. uh, just getting to hear, like I said, getting to hear these stories that you shared uh today i, I really appreciate it. I, I can't wait uh if you had fun man i can't wait to have you back on like i said we can do probably like 78 parts just on the i mean we only got to the first couple of years of uh old ron husband's life here uh in the animation business um before we wrap it up those two questions that i preface you with before we hit record man so you're mount rushmore you get four people that have influenced your career plus one is an honorable mention who's on ron's mount rushmore <laughs> wow well, well. I mean, this this well, I got got to do this on the on the spur of the moment, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, looking back, I, I think uh, like Charles White, uh, uh, illustrator, uh, black guy that uh, I, I saw uh, and exposed ex- been, uh, exposed to his uh, his really dramatic. Uh, drawings of, uh, of black people mm-hmm. um and I, and I think you know he would be one person that, that pops pops in my mind that had a real positive influence on on me and my work even even today uh, you know charles white and um let's see probably um dorothy clemens my high school art teacher yeah. um who encouraged me to carry sketchbook and that's definitely you know over you know Almost sixty years ago, um, her words are still ringing true to, um, and has a positive influence today. You know, literally, your know, Carrie's sketchbook, observation, 
drawing that sketchbook and literally you know, that sketchbook um, experiences um, literally where I am today because you know, I hadn't been quick sketching and sketchbooks, you know, I wouldn't be here talking with you. You know, yeah. I, I have no idea where I would be, but uh, you know, that experience and and them um, Disney um, company seeing the potential that I had because that they saw in my my sketches uh, has led to a career in animation. Um, you know, I've gotten awards for my 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 pen and ink work, which is you know. Um, literally, uh, animation. Yeah, a steal of, of animation shot, and you know, writing a book on quick sketching. Uh, so you know, quick sketching has had a, a positive influence. So uh, that was um, uh, initiated by by Miss Clemens, my high school art teacher, and um, I'd say uh, Eric Larson, uh, who uh, was head of the animation program. And just you know, a tremendous animator himself, and just a teacher, uh, and and seeing how he uh, prepared and how he taught, um, and how he was able to be gentle in his uh, criticisms and yeah. uh, and getting over his point without uh, uh, devastating you too 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 <laughs> severely. You know? um, because you know, you know, you know, everything he had to say was was in love, and he was doing it uh, that way. Um, let's see, I got, I, got, I got big three here. Okay, and um, wow, let's see. Yeah, I say Glenn King. Yeah, okay. yeah. He, he's he's a giant. Absolutely, um, and have an opportunity to uh, to room with him, uh, uh, coming down as, as a trainee, and, and just sort of seeing, well, seeing how Glenn approaches the scene, and how uh, meticulous uh, he is in his drawing, his um, his thumbnailing, uh, the thought process, and all the, the things that he had uh, absorbed from from Ali. And um, and you know it's, it's just always thinking about um, um, putting personality into um, his characters and just passing passing on that wisdom. Now I said we we uh, we roomed together and we had two small rooms. You know, at, at the end of a hallway, you open the door and you go into Glenn's room. And then you have to go to to another door and open the door and that was my room. So, so we were just literally, uh, I had to pass him to get to my room and pass him to, to leave. Or, uh, but uh, but seeing him, uh, yeah, his worth at work ethic, you know, I come from a great family. His dad, you know, Bill Keen, uh, doing the comic strip and, and then had been you know, brought up around art and all that kind of, and, but, but again, to, to see him uh, uh, flourish and, how he approached the scene, um, which which I was able to glean from and try to emulate some of the things that he was doing. I remember uh, when he was doing the um, the scene of um, uh, the bear fight in in, in uh, 
in Fox and the Hound, and he's 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 in in in, in preparation for all that. You know, he's reading all these books about uh, um, bear attacks. <laughs> and, and, and I'm I'm walking, I'm coming to work one morning. He says, "It's hot, it's hot." You know, listen to this. He starts reading from this this National Geographic or something about this this bear attacking this person and you know and all this graphic stuff is going on. but 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 he brought all that to life when he did the uh, copper fighting the bear you know and, and bringing all that stuff and so I said wow you know and so leading from how uh, he would approach a scene and and really immerse himself in that and and, and get all the um, information and all this stuff, and then start your, start your thumbnails and then you know bring all that emotion into into the big screen uh, mm -hmm. and into his animation. Very passionate animation. Very passionate person. You know, loving person. You know, he, he, he's my brother. I love Glenn, uh, you know, forever. But uh, but yeah, but those, those would be my four uh, on uh, on Mount Rushmore. So who's your honorable mention? You get one honorable mention. You know, I, I, was, I would say, you know, my son, Michael. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mike, uh, he was born in 71 and uh, he passed in 207 at, 30, at age 36. Um, uh, Mike was my oldest son. Had a very, very uh, rare uh, heart and lung disease called primary pulmonary hypertension. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and Mike, uh, you know, he, they discovered it. They were treated like high blood pressure. You know, they, they thought it was high blood pressure, and, and after uh, his, he went to uh, Howard University in D.C., and uh, you know, he wanted to, to go to get his master's degree. And so, uh, this he's in journalism, and he uh, wanted to get in this uh, journalism school. So he was number one in the nation at the time in in New York. He loved New York, wanted to go there, but he was turned down there, and so he ended up uh, taking a second choice, which was. Uh, Northwestern in uh, mm. in Chicago, and while at Northwestern, uh, getting the, you know the, the physical, uh, uh, they discovered that it wasn't um, high blood pressure, but it was a primary pulmonary hypertension uh, that he had. And so they started treating that. Uh, so had, had he not gone to that school, because that school knew the most about that is a teaching university. Uh, Medical part, and and so they they were able to discover that um, they had been treating him for high blood pressure, but it was something else beyond that. And so they started treating that. So that prolonged his life for a period of time, um, and um, because of they discovered that. And then uh, what I what I would you know I don't know mention is that uh, you know as he was he got really sick and he had an infection and. In, uh, that uh, this tube in him so he get medicine directly into his heart. And uh, this tube was literally what was really keeping him, uh, keeping him alive yeah. uh, in the sense of getting medicine uh, orally, he wasn't getting there fast enough. So now they put a stent in his chest where he could get this tube to continue pump medicine 24 seven. Uh, and, um, you know, he got to wear this, uh, this, Tube that was got infected, and so you know, so complication of that. So he was dying. So my wife 
I and his brother and sister were uh, in the hospital uh, there as Mike was uh, transitioning from life into uh, eternity. And it was just in so much discomfort uh, that he said, you know, uh, gotta remove this tube, knowing that removal of the tube was literally uh, death's, you know, it's gonna bring on death. He was dying, but this is gonna bring it on sooner in the sense that, you know, it was just uh, uh, the more discomfort than he. So, so in a sense, he showed me um, how to die, you know, in the sense that, you know, that, yeah, I, I know that he left a wife and a 10 month old child, but, you know, uh, he, and I wish that I, if I was in that position, that I would be that brave to say, okay, you know, remove this and you know, I'm going to pass out of this life into the next eternity. And he did that. You know, and I, and I said, am I going to be that brave if I have that opportunity or things happen to me that way? You know, you say that, yeah, I'm ready to die. You know, I know the Lord, you know, I'm going to heaven. And you say all that, but, you know, you have a, 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 a your face with death. You know, how are you going to react? And my son showed me that that's the way it should be. And, you know, I, and so, you know, He's one of my Mount Rushmore heroes. Ron, I got to tell you, man. That was heavy. Um, uh, I don't even know what to say, man. You you didn't have to share that story at all. You know, it's... um, I, I can't imagine what it's like to to lose to lose a kid man i mean it's back in february my father-in-law passed away and i didn't have a dad in the picture growing up uh long story short you know he just he was more more interested in women and drugs and you know he went to prison when we were real young yeah he just didn't want kids and uh you know losing my father-in-law this past february it's been it's been hard you know i i didn't think it was going to be so as stupid as this sound, i didn't think it was going to be this hard because it's just like the last time I lost somebody, I lost my grandfather in 2010, two hours before my youngest son, or my oldest son was born, but like two hours before he was born, my grandfather passed away. First time as an adult losing somebody that I loved, right? And loved me unconditionally. And I didn't know what to do. I was angry, fucking hit walls. I was pissed. You know, I was angry. My wife was pregnant. I was in Washington state, my first duty station. You know, I was 19 years old. I was scared as hell. We were, we were supposed to have the kid, you know, the due date was two days prior, right. Or a day prior, something along those lines, lose him. She ends up going and we had the kid at, 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 you know, like I said, two hours, two hours before two hours after, excuse me, you know, and this was like the first death this past year, this, this February where I didn't know what to do, man. Like just talking to my wife, like my wife and my son were so close to, to her dad. Right. This fucking, like I said, I don't know what it's like to lose a child, but seeing what, what my wife's going through and what, what, what my son was going through losing his papa and being there, being a parent, you know, it fucking changes you, man. You don't want anything bad to happen to your kids. You want, you know, you want your kids to grow up. You want kids to be happy. 
you know, and it's just looking at life the way you're like, you just described your son saying, I'm okay. Right. You know, I, I'm looking death in the face and it's going to suck, but I'm okay with this. That, that That's the greatest strength ever right there is just saying, I'm not going to be afraid of this. You know, it's just, like I said, thank you for sharing that story. Cause I think a lot of people can get something from that. You know, um, these last couple of years have been troubling for a lot of people, you know, um, I, I can't say anything more than thank you for sharing that story, man. Um, I'm so happy we got to talk. I never know where these conversations are going to go, but I'm, I'm glad they went to where they went. And and I'm glad you're here to share these stories with us, man, because this is more than just animation. You know, you opened up quite a bit. Um, and you, like I said, you didn't have to. So thank you for that, Ron. I appreciate that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And we do it again. Uh, just, just shoot me an email and then we can set up a time and uh, we can talk some more. Absolutely, man. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, we'll save that last question, those two books. We'll save that for the next one, man. He's been Ron. I've been Julian. This has been the What's in My Head podcast, and this has been another piece and a huge piece of your childhood. Good night. My guest next week is former storyboard artist for Regular Show and supervising director for OKKO, Mr. Toby Jones. Enjoy the teaser. I had a phone interview with him, and that, that's how I, where I got the job from. I, I he called me on the phone and was like, Hey man, so what's your deal? And and, 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 but the thing that I was flipped out cause it was, Oh, this is Mordecai's voice and all that stuff. But there's something, this is a half story and this, this is, I hope this is okay. But on my first day on regular show, again, I had just moved to, to LA and uh, he took me and uh, I think Benton and Calvin out to lunch. We went to In-N-Out Burger. It was my first time going to In-N-Out Burger. And I was this fan and I had all these questions about the show. And at the time, I had no idea how long the show would go. I didn't. I I had no idea the show would go for over 200 episodes. I thought that maybe a few months, maybe a season, maybe two, if I was lucky. Didn't I had no idea that I'd be working on you know episode 100 through episode 150 and on and on and on. Um, and I was just like, hey man, do you know how the show is going to end if you end it? Um, and I'm not going to say what he said because the thing he said was similar to what the real ending ended up being, but also there were some things about it that were totally crazy that nobody would have ever, people would have been like, what the fuck? Um, and I was just like, wow, that, it was crazy. Um, and so that was something that I hold, that I hold dear. It was that, like on day one, he was like, here's how I'm going to end the show. And it's like, we we're working on season three at the time. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was pretty wild, but look, he was, you know, uh, there was nothing better because JG, you know, Mordecai and, and Rigby have this relationship. You know, Mordecai, he doesn't hug Rigby. He doesn't tell Rigby that he's a great friend. You know, they don't have those, you know, it's like Seinfeld. It's like the no hugging, no lessons type show, you know? And so JG was kind of like that. He he wasn't always giving you, he wasn't heaping on loving praise at all time. So if you got him to laugh out loud, that was like the most amazing feeling in the world. Like, mm. and, and cause it's like, he would chuckle, he would laugh. But it's like, if you could get a joke that would make him like hunch down laughing, uh, that's how you know, like you did a really, really good job. And that was like the most rewarding feeling is like putting something in an episode that surprised him and shocked him and made him like, like buckle over laughing. Like that was some of my proudest moments uh, is, is when we got to do that. You remember the first time you got him to laugh like that? Yeah, it was it was either TGI Tuesday or or a bunch of full grown geese. But uh, when Owen and I did that episode, um, uh, um, return, uh, sorry, 
it was a brilliant century duck crisis special because in that episode it was given to us as an 11 minute episode and we just added so much stuff to it that nobody asked for like in the episode there was like four or five robot uh, transformations and we up to like 12 or something. We just added all the stuff. And then again, and the storyboard, like a normal episode, we'd pin them on the walls to pitch them. Uh, and a normal episode would be like one and a half corners. And this one like spiraled all the way around the whole room. Cause we'd added so much stuff to it. And, and it was one of Owen's segments, you know, him and I, we collaborated on our, on our, on our writing. Um, you know, we wrote the episodes together, but it was one of his sec- sections that he boarded. And it was like the number of transformations that we did and all the insane stuff that we added. Uh, and just seeing the way that JG reacted physically to it, it was just like, we fucking nailed it, you know? Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed this, man, share it with some friends, share it with some family members. Don't forget to hit us a review, hit us a rating, five stars, five stars if you think we earned it. And I'll see you guys next week.